Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome back to Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company on this Wednesday, middle of the week, hump day. Just gone midday Australian Eastern Standard Time. Of course, that is time for the call. 10 stocks that you suggest we put to our expert panel. Delighted to have Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities with us again today. Michael, good to see you. Thanks, David. Are you surviving earnings season? We're getting through it. <laughs> getting through it. It's a tidal wave today, isn't it, of results? Yeah, there's there's plenty of results. I mean, the, the CSL one was a cracker, and yep. uh, there's been a few others that are a bit mixed, but... Um, you know, it's uh, so far so good, I think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also making up the, the team today, Julia Lee from Berman Invest. Uh, Julia, how you got Wise Tech up 20% this morning. I was taking a yeah, look. Yeah, we, we have seen, uh, I think one of the things about reporting season is that it's not so much about the results, but expectations going into the results. And obviously yeah. with Wise Tech, not only were expectations fairly low, but also, uh, there's a huge amount of short positions in WiseTech as well. So given the result coming through today, those shorts would be squeezed. And I suspect that some of it, uh, the yeah. rally today, is on the back of those shorts closing out the positions. Yeah, it is just fascinating uh, to, uh, to see the truth come out in the figures. Uh, all the speculation aside, this is when companies have to step up. One of those companies is our stock of the day. And... Uh, thought we'd take a look at A2 Milk, which has been a bit of a favourite of the call. Bumper result, seeing annual profit surge over 34% amid strong demand for its infant formula and other products during the pandemic. Profit margins for the year also higher, up over 30%, with revenue forecast to be around $1.7 billion. Now, the Aussie exporter is seeing big wins in its key China label infant formula, Sales doubling to almost $150 million. And stateside, um, milk revenue also doubling. Looking ahead, though, the company not as confident, tipping a slightly lower earnings margin for FY21 as COVID-driven stockpiling starts to fade. Um, Julia, what did you think of uh, the A2 result? And, um, and also, how's it look at, at this level? It's amazing to see how far A2 Milk has come. I think when I first invested in this company, I bought in at 49 and a half cents, and now it's pushing closer to $20. So it has been a fantastic growth story. And this this uh, result, once again, it's a cracker, but it comes in line with expectations. And A2 Milk historically has a habit of beating expectations. So look, I think there was a little bit of disappointment that it didn't blow expectations out of the water. And we also saw a bit of a run up before the result today. So shares are trading a little bit lower. 
there had been a little bit of an expectation around a capital return today. But look, I think A2 Milk is more likely to invest in manufacturing and a more vertically integrated model than in returning capital. And of course, a new CEO starts next year as well, which can also signal a bit of a change in direction. So Koshi, I'm probably neutral on A2 Milk at these levels. For me, the turning point would be if it became clear on what was happening with the birth rate due to lockdowns over here and over in China as well. Typically, when you see bad economic circumstances in developed countries like Australia, the birth rate falls. But in this particular circumstance, I'm not quite uh, sure because we have been in lockdown, which means you're stuck in the house with the partner. So I'm not sure whether we're <laughs> looking for things to do. Baby boom or <laughs> a fall in birth rate. So I'm watching that very closely for any signs. Um, and maybe in three months time, we'll start to see some signs that uh, either the birth rate's falling or it's going up. Okay. All right. So uh, pretty neutral there on A2. Uh, Michael, what do you think? Yeah. So the result you know, fairly in line with expectations, maybe slightly under, but the numbers are still pretty impressive. So net profit after tax up 34%. Their margins, although the market was expecting something a little bit stronger in terms of guidance, you're still looking at 30, 31% margins. They have no debt. Um, but what's interesting is, you know, the growth in China is still going very well. For mm. infant formula, it's about 24% of their earnings and that, that portion is still growing. Uh, and they're expanding in the US. So that business is almost... Uh, uh, doubled over the last year or two, and it's continuing to to grow. So I think as a longer term story, it still looks good. Maybe the birth rate may go down, as, as mm. Julia mentioned. I guess that means the pie isn't growing, but I think their portion of the pie is is at least growing. So that's still a positive. Um, in terms of the way it's trading at the moment, it does look a little weak. So at the beginning of the show, Julia mentioned reporting season. Yep. It's all about expectations. So because of that, uh, you know, result falling slightly under expectations. It looks fairly weak at the moment. So I think longer term, it looks fine. But I think if you're looking to buy A2 milk, um, looking at the way it's trading on the chart, I think you'll get it cheaper over the next few months. What you right. tend to find in reporting season, if a company disappoints uh, for the next few months, they tend to go on and underperform the market. And the right. converse is true for stocks that, um, that beat expectations. So I think in this case, over the next few months, you may well get A2 milk shares a bit okay, cheaper. A bit weaker. All right. Okay. Uh, that's our stock of the day. Let's get um, stuck into the stocks that you've suggested. And first up, uh, another company that's that's uh, recently reported earnings and um, their chief executive uh, here on Ausbiz um, is Tyro Payments. Charles has, wants a, a, a view on this, of course. Um, it's a, it's a fintech, but it's... Um, it's basically in merchant cards, um, debit cards, FPOS for, for small business as well. Um, Michael, what do you think of Tyro? They're in a bit of a tricky spot at the moment. So they provide the merchant, the terminals to the merchants. Right, the FPOS so terminal. It, exactly. Yeah. And as you can appreciate um, with what's happened with, with COVID, there's less spending out at cafes and uh, yeah. hospitality areas. So uh, in their result yesterday, they mentioned that 10% of their customers just did no trade yeah. um, in the last month. So uh, this is, I guess, one of those IT companies which isn't doing as well as the others because they are yep. uh, affected by uh, the lack of physical movement through stores. Um, and if you have a look at uh, the volume of transactions year on year, it was up about 15%, whereas by February, they were already up 
29%. So I guess it's a story of what could have been if not for the COVID lockdown. So it's a company that I think once the economy reopens um, can do really well. So they're making a lot of inroads into um, rolling these terminals out. Um, So for me, it's very much a, a story about when the economy reopens, this can do well, but for the moment, there's still a cloud over um, over that. And in terms of the way it's trading, we could see that weakness in the share price. So yeah. it's another case of, I think, short-term weakness in the share price may give you an opportunity to capture mm. that uplift when the economy reopens. Okay. So for the moment, it's a no. No, right. Uh, Julia, what do you think of Tyro? And because they're in that small business end of the market, what was I reading? One of the big four banks, I forget which one, um, was actually cutting its... Uh, merchant fees um, for its uh, small business customers. And I, I, I couldn't help but think, oh, is this going to cut into Tyro's market and is there going to be a bit of a price war? Sure. Um, well, I like Tyro. I think it's uh, it's a long time coming that, coming that there's a bit of a shake up to the incumbents. So it's great to see an innovative, nimble platform coming through. And you're right, Koshi, this is in merchant services. So at the moment, we are seeing an impact on the number of transactions, especially in Victoria due to lockdowns. But you would imagine that as the economy reopens, that Tyro would be in a great place to not only expand its client base, but also expand its offerings as well. So it does offer complementary banking services, but there's the opportunity to cross-sell products. So I like the innovation and I like the fact that it's a platform, which means that um, you pretty much got a fixed cost and then the more people that you sell it to, well, that's all cream on top. So uh, it's really quite a nice model for investors to be involved in. Not only that, if you think about the big four banks and the incumbents, they've got these legacy systems that slow them down half the time. You know, you see them breaking sometimes. Um, And look, for someone who's who relies on merchant services or their EPOS machine, if your banking system goes down, then you know most people pay by card these days, so it has a big impact. And Tyro at the moment is known for its efficiency and its reliability, which I think is a strong selling point, especially as you're looking to acquire clients. So yes, there is a cost side of things, and if the big four banks start to cut costs aggressively on the merchant services side, but then as uh, someone who needs merchant services, reliability, I think is a key factor as well. So I'd be happy to add this one for the medium to long term, even though there's a bit of short term pain. Okay. All right. So uh, so you'd buy it at this price? Uh, sorry, I missed that. Uh, yeah, you're happy at this price around yes. that so, $3.17 uh, yes mark. Um, Julia Allison wants a view on Southern Cross Media Group. Now, a a traditional media organisation owns a lot of FM radio stations. If you listen to Two Day FM or Triple M or the Hit Network, um, they own uh, a couple of uh, regional uh, TV uh, networks as well. Uh, What do you think of uh, Southern Cross? Sure. So I guess if we have a look at um, television stations as well as marketing companies, they've been under a lot of pressure because 
in, in an environment where the economic output is falling and it's a difficult environment for businesses, one of the first things that is cut is marketing spend, and that means ad spend. So we are seeing, I guess, a negative impact in terms of Southern Cross um, media and its business because of advertising declining. And we're seeing that across um, the traditional areas of media, as well as some of your marketing businesses like U Media or WPP. Um, having said that, this is a highly leveraged business, which means that when things are down, they're down a lot. But as things improve, they go up a lot. Um, so as you do see uh, the economy start to reopen and some better economic performance coming through, Southern Cross Media should do better as well. Add into the mix that they did do a capital raising back in April, so their balance sheet isn't in bad shape at all. It's just that you're probably going to have to wait sort of eight to uh 18 months for a, an uptick. But if you want to get in early here at a lower price and you're happy to hold on and stick it in a drawer for a couple of years, I think you'll do okay out of this. Okay. Uh, Michael, what do you think of Southern Cross? Um, I agree in that when the economy reopens, it should yeah. start to do well. I mean, for you know, all the stocks that we're buying at the moment for clients, we're thinking about you know, the economy reopening, who can benefit from that. Right. Um, in terms of advertising spend, I'm just a little bit unsure as to whether companies will you know, increase their spend so soon, as soon as the economy reopens, yep. there might be a bit of a lag. So I think investing in Southern Cross here, you, you probably end up with some dead money for a while. Um, there's probably better opportunities elsewhere. They do report tomorrow. Um, you know, it's, it's probably not gonna be that good, of course, but yep. um, I'm happy just to sit on the sidelines with this and and, right. and maybe look at it down the track. So so wait for that. Wait for the economy to open up and um, and you know some pretty positive um, news coming out on on that front with vaccines yep. coming through. I interviewed the prime minister this morning on Sunrise. He was, he was saying it could be by the end of the year that yeah. we'll ha have a vaccine or uh, certainly in the first quarter of next year. Uh, it looks as though CSL is going to manufacture it um, yep. down in in Victoria, so sooner that happens, happy days yeah, for the economy. Yeah. All right, um, our next stock, our third one, is an interesting stock, sort of a medtech, you'd call it. Feng wants a, uh, a view, Michael, on mm. Hydrix. Now, they have a, um, they're a technology company, but have a, an implantable heart attack alerts uh, sort of device called Angel Med Guardian. And I was actually reading about it um, in the paper about two weeks ago that they've been able to um, test them and implant them in Singapore mm. uh, and they had some procedures there uh, performed over recent times and uh, it means that they'll be a, a Angel Medical Systems US-based staff will be able to monitor apparently a heart, a, a clinical engineer um, if, you, if your ticker goes a bit dodgy. Um, so, yeah. sounds a great product if it if it delivers what it's supposed to be, Michael. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, this is the first I've I've heard yeah. about it as well. So, um, looking at the announcement, it looks like they've inserted this product into uh, four patients overseas in the last couple of days, and they've just been released from hospital. Yep. So now they're going to monitor these patients over the next couple of weeks, and I think that's why the share price has <laughs> has gone from ten cents and to, to forty four. Yeah. 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 So. Um, look, that's good news, but you have to question, well, you know, how, you know, is this news good enough to drive the share price? At one point, yeah. uh, it was up about 10 times uh, yesterday morning. So, yeah. um, look, very interesting. You know, in that same announcement yesterday, they threw a number of 
a number out there saying if they capture one percent of the market, oh, they yeah. should end up with revenue the of whole, fifty million a year. So the whole addressable market, it, exactly <laughs> that that old you know that, that old trick. Up, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so you know the share. So the market cap, I think, went from five million dollars um, naturally to wherever it is now. So yep. um, obviously, there's a few people excited, a few day traders in there. But look, as interesting as it sounds, clearly, I think. Buying it after a yep. um, several-fold increase in the share price, I think, is a little bit risky yeah, and a bit early. It is pretty early. Yeah. Okay, Julia, what do you think of uh, Hydrix? Uh, it's a no from me. Although there's some excitement on announcements that are made, any run-ups in share price would probably be a seller here. And the reasoning behind that is when you're developing a product, it's a very different set of skills to actually going out and distributing and selling a product. So they're coming up to a really exciting time where they're looking at distribution and trying to get hospitals and doctors on board. But I think that process is really difficult without a partner. Look, over here in uh, the Asia-Pacific region where they have the uh, license to distribute this product, um, I guess 1% of the market represents about $8 million worth of revenue. And to me, the risks aren't there. I think it's going to take a long time to build a sales force and get the word out there. Um, it does monitor heart attacks, but it is an implant as well. So although people are comfortable with pacemakers, uh, I think you know there's a bit of a psychological barrier to getting an implant just to monitor heart attacks. It does actually pick up silent heart attacks as well, which is a positive. So look, mm. I like the device. I like the idea. I just think trying to get the word out and sales up and running is probably going to be a, a multi-year plan and more difficult to to uh, process. So I guess the excitement about having a successful product is usually replaced by the hard slog that's required to uh, get people aware of the product and also um, taking on the product. Yeah, and, and also to get health authority approval in different jurisdictions sort of I think you've mentioned this on the call before, Julia, that, that these sorts of companies um, often have a really long, slow, early period, usually with lots of capital raises, just to try and get it out there and, and get those approvals can take quite a while. Yeah, I mean, it's a medical device, not a drug. So it is a little bit different. Yeah. So it's easier to get through things like the FDA. But the FDA is over in the US where they don't get revenue for sales over in the US. They have um, the license to sell it over here in Asia, which is why when they're looking at the distributable market, they examine, you know, what would happen if they got 1% of sales in Australia and Singapore. And Singapore is probably half the market Australia is. So that accounts right. to about $8 million worth of revenue. And by about 5% of the market, that's about $40 million worth of revenue. Right. Okay. All right. There you go, uh, Feng. Great suggestion. And uh, another example of um, um, Aussie companies being really innovative with this sort of stuff, which is great. Um, Julia, our next stock has been suggested by Jack, PWR Holdings. Now, they're in, um, in water cooling solutions, aren't they? But... Uh, uh, industrial and particularly in the automotive industry. For those people who watch V8 supercars, they might see the uh, PWR logo on a lot of the supercars. They, they do the cooling systems in those. Um, what do you think of PWR? I like it. Um, I think it's really interesting. It's obviously been hurt by COVID-19 and the lockdowns and also motorsports being impacted in uh, the current half. But look, 
we are seeing signs that motorsports are coming back, that we are seeing big events coming back. It looks like the Formula One will be back on next year, and that's a positive for a company like this. I guess the two key areas that's involved in is in cooling systems for motorsports, so those big events are very important for revenue, and secondly is the aftercare market, which uh, which continues on, um, but I guess the big uh, dial that's changing here is in terms of the motorsports and its uh, cooling systems for those events. So having those events coming back online, I think is a positive. And if we see a normalization in those events, um, I think it's a positive for PWH. And obviously you're getting the shares at a discount because of what we've seen over the last six months. Yeah, um, and the, the share price has really bounced back well though. So um, you're saying still like it at this price? Yes. Still like it at this price. Um, look, I think we're going to continue to see more motorsports coming back online, which means continued recovery yep. here. Okay, Michael. Yeah, look, I like the company. It's been growing its earnings uh, over the you know the last few years. They've been doing a good job, um, increasing their customer base. It's trading really well, almost back to uh, its yeah. previous peak. So, I think it can continue to do well. Look, I'd be happy to hold. The one risk that I do see with it is in terms of motorsports. Um, Yes, the, the racing is back on, um, but the risk is that a lot of these customers don't order new products for next year. So I know in the case of Formula One, you know, they, they make new cars every year, yep. new designs, therefore they need new radiators and, and the associated cooling. But uh, I know that in that particular discipline, they've frozen the rules for next year so all the teams can use the same cars, same designs. Ah, right. okay. So that if that happens in a few other series as well, then you might have a situation where normally you'd get X amount every year from motorsport, but it might be a, a lesser number. So it's a risk. Um, I wouldn't yeah. be selling it here because of that. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see more clarity okay. around that. But at the moment, it's again, trading well, good company, happy yeah. to hold for the moment. Hold for you. Okay. Uh, thank you for the suggestion, Jack. Uh, Rachel, now Michael wants a, a view on Altium. It's a an American company, but domiciled um, public here. Uh, here. Uh, software company that provides um, uh, PC circuit boards uh, for engineers um, and printed circuit boards, and um, is one of the is it one of the A's in the um, in the the Wax Index? Yeah. Our our technology sort of yeah, supposed index, a few A's isn't in there. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, the company software designs. Um, uh, really at the heart of it. They uh, straddle not only Australia, but also uh, US and China and um, and Canada as well. Um, mm. What do you think about here? Yeah, the short of it is I like it. Um, we've been buying it the last few days and I think the guys yeah. are in the office now buying more of it for, right. for some of our clients. So okay. at the end of the day, it's, it's a great company. They've been, you know, their earnings have been uh, put back a bit because of COVID um, delayed, but uh, you know, they still expect to continue to grow their earnings over time yep. uh, and their customer base. Um, look, I think it's just a pretty good opportunity down here. A lot of the tech companies are trading at all-time highs. Altium's one of the few that, um, that, that's been left behind temporarily. Yep. And, you know, when I look at the way it's traded on the chart, there's always good support at $32. I mean, this was a company that updated the market uh, several weeks ago, so the result uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before, yep. wasn't too much of a surprise. Uh, there was nothing uh, really negative in there. Maybe maybe the earnings outlook disappointed a couple of analysts, but 
Yeah. I mean, it's the market that uh, the market reaction that counts, and the market slapping it up at the moment. Yep. Uh, and I think there's good momentum for this to head high. Okay, uh, Julia Altium. I like this company, but probably at cheaper prices. So I'd be waiting to pick up at cheaper prices. They are one of the world's largest um, circuit uh, board makers in the world. Uh, they represent around about a quarter of the market. So both hardware as well as software. And I guess if we have a look at the results that just came out, they did see revenue growth of 10%. Um, and that was lower than what the market was expecting. But I think they've given a bit of a weak outlook on the current financial year where they're expecting growth of 6 to 12% in the current financial year. So it does look like COVID-19 has not only put a spanner in the works in uh, the last half, but that weakness is continuing into to the current half as well, which means that its aspirational targets for FY25 is probably delayed by about six to 12 months. Um, and, you know, recovery usually takes a bit longer than what people normally forecast. So it's probably been delayed for around about a year, which means that there's no huge uh, rush to get into this stock. And you can probably be choosy around the price. But I do agree with Michael for the longer term, the growth story is intact there. Yep. What's a fair uh, on any sort of pullback around that that thirty dollar mark? Would you would that be attractive? Um, I, I like to look for the shares to bottom out, and obviously there's a bit of underperformance from Altium compared to the rest of the technology space um, due to its results, and generally that. Um, that underperformance can last for around about four months. So um, look, I'd probably be looking at this closer to the next half results. So uh, waiting for around about four months, but also just using a bit of technical analysis to work uh, uh, to work out when the shares may have started to outperform compared to the rest of the technology stocks. Because technology shares are going hard at the moment. They're doing really well in terms mm. of the market. And I think you want to be with the strongest momentum players at the moment. Yep, sure. Okay, uh, that's the uh, halfway through uh, the call at the moment. Let's just recap uh, the first five stocks plus our stock of the day, which was A2 Milk. Um, a hold from Julia, uh, Michael, a no on A2 Milk, but if there's a pullback, yes, uh, very much interested then. Well-run company, great results. Uh, Tyro, a no from Michael at these, uh, these prices, a yes from Julia. Uh, Southern Cross uh, Media, a no at the moment, but something to look at um, uh, when the economy opens up and if you want to get set in Southern Cross, it's down to 17 cents, I think. Um, and you want to put it in the bottom drawer, uh, a well-run company. Uh, Hydrix, a no, great product, uh, exciting product, but a little too early in the cycle. Uh, PWR, a hold from, uh, from Michael, uh, a yes from Julia. And Altium, uh, yes, Michael and the team at Fairmont are, are buying it for clients yesterday and today. Uh, Julia uh, wanting to wait about six or 12 months on Altium. Now, um, here at the call, We've got our own index, if you like, that we've been tracking since the 1st of July. Uh, all the stocks that get two thumbs up, two ticks from our expert panel uh, as a buy from um, um, goes into our index. So let's check on how it's performing at the moment over the last week or so from the 40 stocks in there, up 1.7% uh, for the month, 5.5%. And for the financial year to date since the 1st of July, up 8%. And uh, some of the stocks that have been added in August, uh, Cochlear, Accent Group, 
EML Payments, the Beta Shares Asia Technology Tigers ETF, and Regis Resources. All right, let's get into the um, into the second half of the call and suggestions from your stock Bindu. Uh, Once a view, Michael on Monodelphus, a, a big engineering construction maintenance group in that resources energy sector. They reported uh, just a couple of days ago. Share price went through the roof as well, um, yeah. despite the fact uh, that Rio Tinto is um, suing them for damages over a, a fire at one of their iron ore uh, operations. Mm. Um, what did the market like about Monodelphus? I mean, that's that's a really good tell. So I, I like to see companies issue something or, or mention something that's quite negative and then see an yep. opposite share price reaction. It tells you that it's already priced in and the market doesn't care about that yep. that issue anymore. So when they came out with their result, which seemed to be better than expected, so uh, you know margins were a bit better than expected. They had good commentary um, in terms of their margins getting back to normal, yep. um, back to pre-COVID levels as well. So the market seems to love it. The shares were up about 20% yesterday. And, and as we can see on that chart, before yesterday, they were basically testing those March lows. So yes. uh, they were coming from a very depressed level and the price action at the moment is telling me that uh, that's that's probably a good low in place, and it's going to go for a bit of a run. Okay. About a third of <clears throat> third of their revenue um, is through iron ore, so obviously that yep. sector's um, on fire at the moment. Um, but yeah, look, in my opinion, I think this one's going to have a bit of a run here. I don't know how long it will last, but right. yep. uh, for the, for the moment, it's a yes for yep. me. Okay, Julia Monodelphus in that whole sort of engineering. Um, sector in the resources that that whole sector has been out of favour, hasn't it, uh, for quite a while now? Monodelphus is probably the leading company in it. I guess if we have a look at the resources space, it's firing along at the moment, especially iron ore over in WA, which makes up about two thirds of revenue. So that part of its business is doing extremely well. I guess the concerning part of the business is about one third of its revenue comes from the oil and gas space. And that hasn't hasn't been such a great area to, to be in, in terms of mining services, given the relatively depressed oil price and also projects nearing uh, I guess coming to an end here in Australia. But the iron ore side of things remains very positive, which means that the momentum in its underlying business should continue. As you mentioned, Koshi, there is that uh, lawsuit uh, with Rio Tinto, which still overhangs the shares. Um, so until that's resolved, that's likely to keep the share price capped a bit. But if you see a resolution of that court case and you see a settlement, that would be, I think, a positive catalyst for the shares. So watching out for that one very carefully. But Monodelphus, in terms of the results, the underlying trends were good. We saw some upgrades coming through to consensus. And of course, as long as that iron ore space remains uh, relatively strong, well, that's going to be good news for Monodelphus. And iron ore prices, how resilient have they been? So that's great news oh. for Monodelphus. Uh, what, what did they hit? Yes, $127 a tonne. <laughs> yes, 127. I mean, Mineral Resources came out with its profit result today. That's a stock that we hold in the fund. And if you just have a look at the dividend payment, it's almost doubled from the same time last wow. year. So that tells you the amount of strength that we are seeing in some of the iron ore miners, not only because of the price going up, but also some strong production happening as well. Yep, absolutely. And uh, one person who is cheering from the sidelines on that, of course, is our Federal Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg. And the federal budget 
they base the budget on an iron ore price of 55 US dollars a ton. It's now at 127. So he is just rubbing his hands in glee, thinking I've got a bit more tax money coming in, um, which he's absolutely going to need at coming out of this pandemic. All right, let's, uh, Julia, go to our um, next stock, Scott. Um, has asked for an opinion on Infinity Lithium Corporation. Um, it um, owns a, a San Jose um, lithium project and to produce um, lithium in, in Spain as well for batteries. Yeah, I think this is the second largest hard rock lithium deposit in Europe. So it's a relatively big project. They've also received some funding, I think, coming from the European Commission, which is trying to um, accelerate some of these battery related projects. Um, but look, they are at the initial stages, so it's going to be a long, hard road. Um, so it, it'd be a no from me only because I think the lithium and the electric vehicle story has been um, uh, delayed by around about 12 to 18 months because of COVID-19. And of course, in terms of electric vehicles, a big driver of that is China and subsidies in China. So if we do see the dial move in terms of subsidies and you get greater subsidies for electric vehicles coming through from China, that would be great for lithium. But if we have a look at what lithium covenant prices have been doing in 2020, well, there's still significant weakness in terms of the market. So um, I guess at the moment, we're still seeing some downward pressure in terms of lithium carbonate and I don't think that's going to live for another 18 months which means that the story is great I love the electric vehicle story and it's probably mm -hmm. a good long-term story but pricing over the next 18 months isn't looking too good yeah and Michael when you look at that chart it mm. looks as though it's fairly illiquid as well doesn't it you've got yeah. you've got lots of blocks there which um, tend to indicate it's not not traded much that's right I actually had a look at that um, before the show so it's only a 22 million dollar market cap yeah. And the average traded volume is seventeen. Sorry, about sixteen thousand dollars a day. Oh, wow. So you know, there's not really yeah. much changing hands there. But no, look, I agree with with Julia. I mean, the lithium space is is a sector I've been negative on for the last few years. Uh, prices have increased a bit in the last few months, and most lithium stocks have have had a bit of a jump. But I just question, you know, how sustainable that is. Yes, there's the the electric car story. Um, but I agree with Julie, I think that's getting pushed out. And especially when you consider that electric cars are expensive unless they're subsidised. So yep. consumers now have less money than before. Governments have less money to subsidise something like an electric car when there's more pressing issues at hand. So yep. I just wonder, um, you know, how quickly that, that whole story will, you know, will yep. get off the ground. So um, if I was in, involved in the lithium space, I'd or wanted to invest in it, I'd, I'd rather look at one of the larger companies out there. Um, but even then, I think there's, again, too much supply. These these guys are a bit small, not very liquid, still yeah. raising money. Yeah. Just, yeah, just way too early. Yeah, you make, it, you make a really good point. Sort of electric cars and a lot of environmental issues, you fear could get put on the back burner over the mm. next two years as yep. governments just say, hey, we can't. We can't give concessions and, and yeah. subsidies to these areas because we're trying to rebuild our budgets and, and drive down our debt. Exactly. It was hard enough before COVID. Yeah. I just can't see yeah. how it would get any easier now. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right. Uh, there you go, Scott. A, um, a, a good analysis there on Infinity Lithium. Now, Bosco, Michael wants a, a view on wide open agriculture. Now, mm. this is a really... 
interesting business by the look of it and sort of technology. They've done a deal with Curtin University and the CSIRO to, uh, to, to focus on, on lupin and, and uh, plant-based, if you like, meat yeah. alternatives going yeah. forward, which you, know, you get burgers from a Hungry Jack's now, which are vegetarian-based, aren't they? they? seem to be yeah. a trend. Yeah, that's right. I, I had lunch with a friend last week and he was trying to lose weight, so he bought a vegetarian burger. But right. I, I think there's probably better <laughs> better alternatives than... I don't think you're really going to achieve yeah, a yeah. goal with that. As, as he had a couple so, of beers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, I think, look, it's it's fashionable at the moment. Yep. Um, I mean, there's also ethical considerations with um, these plant-based products. Uh, obviously, we know with cows and the methane and and the land use, but, but you know, converse to that, we, you know, we've been reading in the last week that the CSIRO is also working on a, a seaweed supplement for cows, which could yep. basically eliminate their, their methane emissions. Methane, and yep. we know that's a huge contributor to, to global warming. So, yep. you know, the, the, there's still scope for the meat industry to show their green credentials. Yep. And at the end of the day, uh, I think most people would prefer to eat proper yeah. meat than something that's processed. So yeah. I could see I could see where these guys are going at the moment. They've you know they've they've signed up some deals or agreements with the CSIRO recently. Yep. Share price has taken off. I think it's still a bit light on detail. I think you know this this rally will probably get sold into and then everyone will need to digest exactly what this company yeah. um, is doing ahead of them. But look it is a, a hot sector. Yeah. Um, ultimately I just don't think that it'll Okay. It'll catch on over the next few years as much as a lot of people are expecting it to. All right. uh, Julia, um, you take a look at that chart. It's had a stellar run after bumping along the bottom for a while. Um, but the thematic can be attractive. I mean, the thematic is attractive because the market is growing. Um, we're becoming more health conscious. Um, we, we're a lot more conscious of what foods we're intolerant to. So there are a lot of people who avoid dairy or meat or, uh, or even nuts. So I guess these food alternatives are growing in popularity, which means there's growth in terms of the market. If we have a look at uh, this particular company, it is interesting. They, they're not only doing that uh, lupin research with the CSIRO, but also they are due to launch an oat milk in the fourth quarter of the year and really targeting um, I guess uh, coffee shops um, because a lot of people do use oat milk now as an alternative to milk in their coffees um, so it depends on whether their product really does gain a bit of traction so look I'd say it's interesting I'd buy a little bit and stash it in a drawer somewhere but it is very speculative it's got about a 93 million dollar market cap and not a huge amount of revenue coming through the door for a company that size but um, it is a growing market and I like the fact that they are developing their own products and if they have a blockbuster product well you know then the yep. share price will follow but very speculative at this point Okay, so is this one of the ones if you if you're interested in the theme of it, um, and it is a real punt, high risk, put a little bit in if you want if it's of interest to you. I think so. Um, and look, the other thing to do is that when they do launch their oat milk or any of their products, is to try it, <laughs> see if it's any good compared <laughs> to the other competitors in the area, and that's always. 
a good te test because when it comes to food, taste is best. So um, yep. I guess looking at the oat milk market, it depends on, you know, which oat milk froth and gives the nicest froth on your coffee and tastes yeah. the best with coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that you can do your art on with the, uh, with the milk. All right. Um, really good uh, suggestion, Bosco. Thank you for that. Really interesting company and one that we will continue to watch here on Ausbiz. Um, Michael's uh, company that he wants a view on, Julia. Next one is Parkway Minerals. Now, it's sort of a, a technology business, but um, is in that wastewater um, from mining and, and energy industry, isn't it? And cleaning up that, take out, taking the brines out of it. Yeah, look, this one's too small for me. Usually I don't mind the smaller ones if there's uh, a little bit of liquidity, but um, it's a $16 million market capitalization and there's been about $60,000 worth of shares traded today. So too difficult to really get in and out of unless you have a strong conviction around the shares. And the size of it just means that unless you're a true believer, there's not gonna be a lot of institutional support uh, coming through and it's just gonna be very hard to get into as well as out of uh, in terms of, of, of its business. So look, um, to me, it's too illiquid, too small to have a look at. And I guess having a look at um, cleaning waterways, there are some interesting bigger companies out there in terms of, of the marketplace, but um, I, I'd probably steer away from Parkway Minerals. Yeah, Fo Foslock is another one that's listed, isn't it? That is in <laughs> that sort of cleaning up waterways, business environmental in that sector. Uh, yeah, and Foslock, is a, is a really interesting one. I mean, it's, uh, of course, the big area of um, expansion is China, um, but also yeah. it's cleaned up waterways in Florida. And from a tourism perspective, you don't want these algae blooms because nobody yeah. really wants to go swimming or uh, sightseeing when you've got um, waterways which are polluted. So um, look, Foslock is an interesting one and one that I've been following for a number of years, but also extremely volatile as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, Michael, what do you think of Parkway Minerals? Um, yeah, look, ultimately, I'll just have to reiterate um, or Julia's yeah. comments, uh, you know, too small, st still too early stage, not very liquid, uh, and it's not even outperforming the market. So yeah. uh, I think it's just too yeah. hard basket. All right, avoid there unless you've got a particular interest in it. Um, our final stock, well, really, it's uh, an ETF, um, comes from Edward. Uh, Michael, the BetaShares Global mm. Sustainability Leaders ETF. That's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, look, I mean, with this particular ETF, obviously it's uh, um, trying to capture a particular part of the market that's looking for companies which are sustainable and, uh, you know, give a positive impact to, to climate. Um, yeah. So what this does is it invests in climate leaders um, basically companies with a, the lowest carbon impact within their particular sector. But when you drill down and have a look at the companies they're invested in, the, the top one's Apple. Um, and mm. after that, you have MasterCard, Visa, Adobe, PayPal, um, Tesla, oh. of course, Netflix. Right. So yep. when you look at those companies, I guess there's a lot of tech in there. Yeah. Um, and not, I, not I mean, what I would have thought. No, yeah, that's, that's, that's sort of right. the badge so, global sustainability leaders. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So they're not exactly going out there and and maybe producing the sort of positive impact you'd expect. They just yeah. happen to be um, minimising their impact on, on the environment. So yeah. um, ultimately, I I wouldn't bother 
with an ETF like this. I think yep. given the constituents of the ETF, a lot of tech stocks, I think you might as well just invest in, in the NASDAQ ETF, lower fees and, yeah. uh, and it's performing a lot better. I think if you really want to invest in um, these sorts of ethical companies to then turn around and just buy the ETF and do no homework on it, it's a bit of a, yep. bit of a cop out. I think if you really want to invest in those sorts of companies, you know, go out and do the, your homework on the individual yep. ones because at the end of the day with this ETF, you just have a bunch of US tech stocks. Okay, yeah, really good point. Uh, Julia? Uh, I don't mind it. I guess when you have a look at eth ethical sustainability and governance measures, it's not so much about the return side of things, but managing the risk side of things that you don't have these ticking time bombs, which are sitting there within the companies ready to explode. And I guess um, AMP is a good example of that this week, <laughs> where uh, the, the uh, ethical considerations um, can impact on share price performance at some point. Um, and so it is about risk management. Um, if you have a look at, I agree with Michael, though, um, a lot of these companies are technology-based companies, which is driving the return. And I guess if you wanted to just purely invest in a technology-based index, you probably would get a better return. This has returned around about 16% in the year to date. But if you have a look at the top five holdings for this company, which is Apple, uh, Navita, as well as Home Depot, Visa and MasterCard, these five stocks on average have performed um, the share price has increased 45% this year. So mm -hmm. compared to that, this particular ETF, which has performed 16%, you can see it's the type of companies that they hold in their top holdings, which means that there's outperformance happening and most of the outperformance coming from the technology-based companies. So I agree with Michael mm -hmm. that you're probably better off going with a pure technology base, but if you were, uh, I guess, worried about the risk management side of things, ethical funds can help from that perspective for a longer term investments and hopefully avoiding some of those time bombs that go off. Okay. All right. Really good advice there. Um, that's our 10 stocks for the day. Let's just recap the uh, the final five. Uh, Monodelphus, a yes from Michael. Uh, Julia wants to wait to see the outcome of the, uh, of the Rio litigation. Uh, Infinity Lithium, a no from both. Wide open agriculture, really interesting business. If you want a really speculative punt because you you believe in this um, using lupin and protein to as a substitute for meat and, and other products, uh, maybe stick it in the, the bottom drawer if you want. Uh, Parkway Minerals, a no, too small. And um, the Beta, uh, Sust Beta Shares Sustainability Leaders ETF, Probably um, in, invest in a, a pure tech e ETF uh, is a better alternative or some of the stocks themselves. Um, Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. Good to see you. Thanks, Thank you David. for coming on. Um, quick question. Any, any profit result you're looking, earnings result you're most interested in coming out in the new batch for you? Um, look, I mean, in terms of today, I thought the CSL one was, yeah. was, was great. Um, I think this reporting season is you know, one of the most feared reporting seasons in the last yep. 10 years. So the expectations coming in were very low. So I guess, you know, for any stock out there, my advice to, to the investors is just have a look at how it trades. Don't, don't necessarily worry if the headline seems yeah. very negative, because if you end up with a nice positive mm. result um, in terms of the market buying it up, that's telling you that, that all the fears right. were priced in. So and, that's and the main Cochlear thing. Cochlear was a classic. Exactly. Massive loss. Yep. Share price. <laughs> <laughs> it goes like a train yep. uh, because they really clearly articulated what the issues were and the market mm. 
and investors saw through it, which yeah, is that's great. very important. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Julia, any earnings coming up that you're particularly focused on? Uh, we own Super Retail and it hit above $10 today, so I'm really interested to see the results, um, given that we have seen some strong results coming out of other car-related companies like Arb as well as uh, Babcorp today. So are those car-related companies doing well? And hopefully we'll see the same type of trend come through in Super Retail. We did see a bit of a preview to its results last month, so hopefully that momentum continued through. Mm. Okay. All right. To you both. Thank you for joining us. Julia Lee from Berman Invest, Michael Gable from Fairmont, uh, Fairmont Equities, not Securities. Good to see you. Now, if you'd like uh, a stock covered on the show, just flick us an email with your suggestions at call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the Osbiz TV handle. And a reminder where to find all the stocks we have in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Now, Look, just before we head to a, a very short break, if you want the latest from our team straight into your inbox, sign up for the COB. That's the stuff you need to know about the day in business, finance and startups. To subscribe, go to osbiz.co slash join. We will find, you'll find it in your inbox uh, by 5.30 p.m. Eastern every Monday to Friday. Uh, stick around for all the reporting season coverage. Car Sales Chief Executive, uh, Cameron McIntyre walks us through the results and outlook for the company. Um, Cameron is going to be joining us at 3pm car sales. A good result earlier this morning. That's it from the call. Uh, Ausbiz, of course, continues throughout the afternoon with plenty of interviews with chief executives who are reporting. It's a really big time to keep informed as an investor. So don't go away. Back after the break. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.